time. Wrestling! God damn it, I hate you. <laughs> yes! I didn't know how to start this fucking show. Now that take two is happening, because we keep having fucking server problems and they crash. All I'm going to say is, we don't drag out whatever we say this time. But, welcome to our new wrestling show where we're going to do twice a month. Not do a weekly show, because we don't have that much time on our hands, because we work... And AEW is not that good, and NXT is just the same show over and over and over again. Well, welcome to the war on wrestling, since we do nothing but obtain heat on the internet, especially Brian. Brian, thank you for that as well. Because I'm a boomer, even though I'm a Gen Xer. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is going to be our show where we talk all things. We're not going to do a, a, a weekly review. We're not going to do reviews and rundowns of the whole match, spot for spot for spot, unless there's something really needed to be talked about. We're just going to talk about, like, noteworthy topics and rumors and things like that. Things that are surfacing in the pro wrestling community today. Uh, things you see on Twitter, things word of mouth uh, and stuff. So, like, for th for this <clears throat> instance, this week we've had a lot of rumors all around WWE, especially going towards Mania season. Um, and then I even went to an indie show on Thursday. So, on Thursday, Soar uh, Pro Wrestling, ran by Sermo, uh, was held. It was an autism awareness event. Fantastic show. Awesome show. Uh, very, inter like, entertaining. The crowd was good. Uh, it was just fun. It was kind of, like, really nice to see... There's there's things for every everybody. I saw Barrett Brown take on a great uh have a great match against some guy who looked like a carrot stick. <laughs> it was like carrot top if he lost 150 pounds. Or laid off the goddamn steroids. That's what I'm saying. If he <laughs> lost like 150 pounds. Uh I saw Machiko, a friend of mine, a bartender of mine, uh take on Tennille Dashwood in a title match against a woman that Brian would be fan of, a fan of. Like I, I'm not even sure what her name was. But it was like this scrawny black woman that kept patting her weave and she kept looking at herself through the belt. She walked around the ring the whole match, played the heel, did her little strut, came in and took, ended up retaining her title by heel tactics. Just rolling it up at the very end off a good little spot. But I, it's old school the way it was, She man. sounds fierce. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I got to see a, a good friend of mine, Jay, wrestle against Cheeseburger, who... <laughs> Jesus Christ... I, yeah, his name is, he was, I, I don't, I didn't like him in ROH, I don't, I don't like him now, I, I just liked how at the end of the match, because they did that a lot at that show, where they hugged and shook hands and stuff, he did the spot, but then he turned down and beat down Jay, like, well. I was dumbfounded to find out the wrestler that calls himself Cheeseburgers a vegan. I called him, I said the Impossible Burger, and he just yells, that shit's delicious. Starts laughing his little lips. I wonder if it's just a shtick, like he may actually eat meat, I don't know. No. I don't know, but like, you know how so. tiny he is? He's a beanpole. Like, he's extremely skinny. He's like a less muscular Well, when you're just doing parkour instead of actual wrestling, you can get away with it, but I know that's something we'll talk about later, so. But, you know, and, and. I you know we t I I know we talk about this before on other shows and stuff, comedy wrestling, there's a place and time for all of it and I found out my friend Jay is kind of the comedy wrestler, but at least he can wrestle you know like he wrestles a match but like what's y'all's take on comedy wrestling? 
See, comedy wrestling's fine if eventually you actually wrestle. Hit a drop kick, have a match, you know, try to win. But, like, you know, what, like, Orange Cassidy does? He doesn't wrestle. He pretend kicks. I saw a clip that I commented on, got a little heat on, that he was wrestling, like, Brian Alvarez, which I didn't know he was a wrestler. I thought he was, like, a rumor guy, sort of like, you know... Uh, the wrestling observer type of person, but apparently he used to wrestle or maybe still does. I don't know. But he wrestled Brian Alvarez. So Brian Alvarez was like, they were trying to go to the ropes and do like, you know, where the guy falls to the ground and you jump over them and you crisscross and all of that. Well, of course, Orange Cassidy, like instead of doing a sunset flip, he just sort of kind of sits down real gently and gets under Brian Alvarez's legs and just scoots under his legs really slow. And, you know, God, but do you ever actually wrestle? Or, you know, I don't think he talks either. So, I mean, it gets attention. It's fine. It's just not wrestling. I don't know what it is. It's something else. But, you know, do some of that because maybe you were brain damaged. And, like, you go in and out of, like, I'm a wrestler and I'm wrestling. Then all of a sudden kid. your head gets hit. And then you you start pretend kicking because you don't understand what's going on. It's, that could be something. See, it's like uh, Festus. It's like Luke Gallows' <laughs> character. As soon as the bell rings, he turns into this monster. But he's like a brain-dead, like, Idiot. hillbilly that <laughs> oh, is just uh, kind of like a lost soul. And then when the bell rings, <laughs> it starts running through people. <laughs> what's your favorite color? Uh, yellow. Yeller. <laughs> yeller. Hell yeah, brother. You want to pick me up in that yeller? God. But, Christ. But, you know, sore wrestling is a DFW promotion. I loved me being a special ed teacher. I loved that it was an autism awareness show. It was really good. They did a really good job putting on a good show. The ring was really scary. It looked like it moved too much, like it whatever. There was no mats around the ring either. And they held they held the big King Mabel Battle Royal. And so I'm watching and I'm like, you know, this shit's gonna hurt when they hit the ground because it's all tile. Like there's no mats to protect them. Like, there was some scary shit. Like I remember Rob looked over, he goes, I think that's gonna hurt. <laughs> well, and kind of backtracking a little bit, uh I was watching Old Brett, uh, I love Bret Hart's old footage from when he was wrestling with WWE in the 80s, like, was it early, mid-80s, early, mid-late 80s? Uh, they were re- uh, working in the garden a lot. They didn't have any uh, mats out there either. So, there's that whole concept. Yeah, but see, that was then. This is now. We, we've evolved. We want to protect our talent. But um, one takeaway from that whole show, though... Um, other than everyone doing a really good job putting on a great show, Gregory James looks great too. By the way, oh, oh man, he looks good. Guy. He looks real. That dude, he Gregory James is not Gregory James anymore. He's Isaiah James. He's unholy. The one thing he needs to work on is not do his little taunt pose after almost every other spot, like his Marilyn Manson little pose. But the dude, really good. But that's not my takeaway. Um, my takeaway is there was a guy in the battle royal. Built like Ridge. He's 6'4", 6'5". Built like Ridge, but a little more stockier. And looks like Dwayne Wade in the face. The guy looks like money. I told Alex, friend of a friend of ours, uh, who does the cheap podcast with Rob and and stuff. They, they sat right in front of me. 
we had the same thing. Put a rocket on his back. That dude just needs to get signed by NXT, and he's he's money. There's something with it. It's the same thing I said with Athena and Keith <clears throat> Lee when we saw him in MPX. So just like you look at him, you're like, they got it. I don't know what it is, but they got it. That dude was chiseled from stone. Looked like a god. Like he was just he he didn't do much either. But you know something's there. You just got to get him in the right system. So. I'm going to figure out who the hell that guy is, and that's going to be our, our guy we follow. It's just going to be that project. He could be like like a, a, like a black Lars Sullivan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Will he have a match let's go, Mitch? Let's go, Mitch. <laughs> Brian's uh, too busy looking at the Democratic debate. No, I was seeing something John Cena apparently... Accidentally texted a fan or something. I don't know. Something. I don't think that's accidental. How do you accidentally text a fan? I don't know. I I didn't read it enough, but I'm I'm refocused. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we already did this show once, fans. So I'm like trying to like re-engage. <laughs> so so instead of being a heel and ignoring us, Brian. Please tell me, because the broad question was asked on Twitter, and we've we've kind of ran through this on our own, like we've talked about it before. Who do you have as the best heel in wrestling right now, and why? I have three people that are all pretty close. Either but one, but you of gotta them pick be, one. Yeah, it could be the person, but I'm gonna pick one, and it's Randy Orton, because Randy, over his whole career, has lived being the Viper, even when he's a face. Can you really trust him? And just the work he's been doing recently, when he's engaged, he's incredible. When he's bored, he's boring. But right now, he's not bored. What he did to Edge, that that reunion and them hugging, and I was like, oh, wow, so Randy really is embracing this baby face. Then he just beats the hell out of, hell out of them, including his damn neck. I'm like, oh my god, he's taking a chair to his neck. I mean, even if something goes excellently wrong, the guy's crippled. Like, you know, and at like as on a quick aside, at the rumble, I was hoping Edge didn't come out when Brock was doing like the suplex city to everyone, because like if if uh Edge takes one of those suplex cities right on the back of his neck, that could have been really bad. So fortunately Brock got eliminated before Edge came out, but Anyway, but Randy Orton, I think he's great. The thing he did with AJ Styles, where he faked his, like, maybe career-ending injury, I was actually getting emotional, like, this guy that's really screwed up his knee, maybe. And, you know, it was sort of reminiscent of Roman Reigns when he came out. All of a sudden, the crowd started chanting, thank you, Randy, thank you, Randy. And AJ kept on needling at him, mm -hmm. so I'm thinking... Okay, well, this is still an angle of AJ still going at him rather than just getting out of the ring. And then when Randy hit that RKO, I was like, ah, oh, the good Randy's back. I like how he stomped on that knee, too. He's <laughs> like, ha, ha, and starts laughing yeah. and shit. Randy is brilliant. when, he, Like you said, when he's motivated, he's brilliant. Yeah. JP, who you got? MJF. The guy is himself on and off the stick. He comes off the very snobby, arrogant schmutz that he is. He's got a heater when he doesn't need it, but he has them anyways. Why? Because why the fuck not? It's the same thing that Michaels did with Diesel. Same thing that Hunter did with China. So if you're a, if you're a heel, get more heat. 
Fuck it. Why do you think we got Brian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need a gay black man to be the heat. <laughs> Wait, is he a Democrat or Republican? <laughs> oh, no, he needs to wear a MAGA hat, too, and just be totally convoluted. Oh, my God. It's a Larry David episode. Oh, I don't like people, so I'm just going to wear this to get it out. But... Uh, oh, see, so back to Alex and Rob real quick. They were telling me all about it at the Source show because they went on the Jericho cruise. MJF did not break character like you, like you said, the whole cruise. That is awesome. I love guys who could do that. But the problem I have with him is he's still loved. Like people really, really like MJF and people go out of the way. They want to be treated like shit. Like it's almost like a... It's it's not comedy, but it almost is. They're becoming part of the show. I remember yeah. at an autograph signing, this woman walked up, and she was rather big, and he was like, <laughs> you're going to have to pay for two. You're two people. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't throw something at him. She, she laughed about it, and... They took their picture, so it was like, uh, you know. See, I, <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's brilliant, and you want to like him because that's brilliant that he comes I, up with that. See, and I love MJF. I think he just needs <clears throat> more time. I really, truly think he needs more time to find the nuances. Because Brian was explaining to me what he was lacking, and Brian, what, what you, what did you? How did you word it? I think he wrestles like a face. Like his moveset, his mannerisms in the ring, the way he works a match is the way a face would work a match. Athletic, good, strong. I think for the heel character he's playing, he needs to fight a little bit more dirty. Rake an eye, poke an eye, hit them in the nuts. You know, use... (laughs) Hit him in the nuts. Kick him in his neck. <laughs> you know, use God, your heater. Good. Like, you know, maybe I can do it by myself, but why am I going to? Hey, Wardlow, you beat the hell out of him. Then I'm just going to roll him in the ring and pin him. You know, just do some more of that because I think, you know, when you see that he has all this talent where he could do it himself, it's kind of like uh, on NXT with uh, the Undisputed Era. All of them are so good, you know, they're kind of cool heels, but what's really heel about them? They don't cheat much. No, know? and see, that's the thing. that Like, their whole shtick is just the numbers game, but, eh. But MJF, he just needs time. He's, what, 23, 24? A fucking stud. He's, a, like, he's, just give him time. Mm-hmm. Goodness, give mm-hmm. him time, and he will be the top guy. But right now, I don't, because he is loved... I got Baron Corbin as my guy because Baron Corbin's MJF is old school where he plays the character in and out of the ring, in and out of the promotion. And I like that about MJF. But my thing is, like I said, he's loved. Baron Corbin is not liked. He can wrestle. He cuts a good uh, traditional heel-like promo. He makes the fans like, okay. And there's times where he will get you invested because sometimes he'll be like, He'll play that humanized guy, and then he'll shit on you. Just because, like, oh, you actually believe me? No, the hell with you. I like Baron Corbin, and what because he's he used to have go away heat where it was like, oh, you're just not even good. Like he's he's molded. He's finally to where he needs to be, and I know he's in a in a not attractive angle that's been going on for nine months and two babies later, and 
you know, with Roman. But he he's a great heel, and right now he's the best. Now that Shane McMahon's off TV. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, <laughs> but I think Baron Corbin's the best heel in wrestling right now. But give MJF time. Give him like another year, and he'll probably be the best heel we've seen in the last twenty five years. Like, cause you want a heel where the fans just don't like him at the sight, sound, anything of him. Like, kind of like how Punk was with the Straight Edge Society when the crowd was like, "We well, fucking hate you," and he, he would look at people. He's like, "Got him." Like you want you want that kind of heel. Also, kind of like what like how the Miz has always been his entire career. Like it's like you can't stand a guy. He's he's an obnoxious prick. The thing was, Miz was so facey outside of the business uh-huh. that people liked him. Like, I mean, and, now he has a show with his yeah, like daughter. He plays a heel now, but he's a total babyface in his television show. You know, like Miz. There's there's some glaring. Glaring hole. Miz was never the top heel, and I, you know, like. But see, you're never gonna get heels like the good old days. Yeah. Where like you know, I don't know. If we should call them good old days because you know people actually bought razor blades trying to cut the heel wrestler as they walked to the ring for a match back in like the territory days. Oh, you mean Puerto Rico? Yeah. <laughs> well, I was just, I was like, watch out, you get stabbed in the back, dead. Yes. Yeah, so, Brody all over again. <laughs> you know, so you know, yeah, like maybe those days don't need to come back, but. You know, heels and faces weren't in the same locker room. They wouldn't ride in cars together. You know, they had to keep it going all the time because of kayfabe. And that's why I like MJF. I mean, you named everyone on all three that were mine. And, you know, I had all those three in my list. So, you know, I just went with RKO, Randy Orton. Yeah. So, talking about, like, this also goes into something you were talking about with MJF's wrestling about how he wrestles like a face, but he's also that new style of wrestler. Where he he has a lot of work to do in the ring, period. I think he's a solid worker, not a great worker, not a not a good worker, but like, he's solid. Like, like mediocre? Yeah. MJF, the character, brilliant. Anything in between the ropes, he's real iffy and questionable about. Um, but he wrestles for a company where a lot of their stuff is just kind of spot, 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 ADHD booking <laughs> and stuff like I think AEW eventually needs time. I think they're going to eventually figure out what they do because they're doing the right steps. Like, you had Jeff Cobb show up, and I know you're about to have someone big unveiled as, I'm hoping big unveiled as the Dark Order leader, like, you know, the 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 Matt Hardy rumors and stuff like that. But, like, one thing they're constantly doing is the spot, 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 and not much story other than anything Cody Rhodes ever does. The show is Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I think everything good that could make the company grow is what Cody's writing, what Cody's involved in, what Cody's doing. But then the other show is the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. And it's like, let's just go out there and flip and do some comedy and make everybody laugh and, you know, all that stuff. And I don't think, you know, you're going to grow beyond sort of like what you usually get for an indie base to you know really compete on a national level because yeah they're beating nxt because nxt is in a dark cave with the same matches basically same every crowd week. same it's the it's same chance the same thing like same this, old shit it's good but it's tiresome you want to so, see something different and so like you know i think but if you look at the ratings for dynamite 
It's nowhere near Raw, nowhere near SmackDown, and those have been sucking, so... Yeah, those, those on a bad night are still north of two mil. Right, You so. know, like, you're not even breaking a mil with Dynamite, you know? So, like, there, there's some things that, you know, they, they, have to fig- they have to figure it out. And Cody needs to start booking for everybody, not just Cody at this point. Um, my, the thing that... I've taken away from this week because I saw a video online of The Undertaker <clears throat> having a talk with uh, two guys. One of them is Bailey's boyfriend, and one of them is uh, this great, arrogant character. I can't think of his name. Like Ricky Starks or something on NWA Power. Love him. Honestly, my favorite character in NWA Power. Um, but... He had a talk, and he was talking about, you know, you do your flips, you know, they're going to call a backflip and this and that, but you're you're lacking the story and the finer nuances of wrestling. And he was saying, like, what do you do? Like, what do you keep doing at that point? And that's the problem with wrestling today. And I agree with him. I know I agree with him 150%. Um, and the internet now is starting to go after the Undertaker be like, well, the Undertaker doesn't know what he's talking about. He, he doesn't understand wrestling nowadays. Well, I'm sorry. Wrestling, to me, growing up, was about larger-than-life characters <clears throat> and stories and iconic moments and things you remember, not 90 flips and a clothesline and, a, like, 38 false finishes. Like, that's not wrestling to me. And what's y'all's take on what Undertaker said? Either one of y'all go. It so, you know, I think... Obviously, I agree with The Undertaker. And, you know, I got... I, you know, I think someone called me a boomer. I'm a Gen X or whatever. But, you know, <laughs> it's... Uh, it, it, you used to be able to engage the crowd and make them pop with something as simple as a look. As, like, you know, picking up the almost dead opponent... For, you know, one more move that you don't even need to give them because you're a heel and you're just trying to rub it in. You don't tell stories like that anymore. They're trying to tell stories with just their athleticism. And, you know, eventually you can only do so much parkour before your body breaks apart. And no one's going to appreciate it because, like the Undertaker was saying, after you do the backflip, then you have to do a backflip with a twist. And now you have to do it through a table, and then you're going to have to set the table on fire. You can't just keep on raising the stakes, and then you're doing it for no reason, because why are you doing all this? Do y'all even hate each other? Why do you hate each other? Why are you making him eat glass like they had in that match in AEW, like the uh, Moxley Moxley against uh, uh, Kenny Omega? This was their first match. So, So with that name coming up, JP, I know you like Kenny Omega. Undertaker is known for telling stories and things like that. And everyone says Kenny Omega is the best wrestler in the world. And I understand everyone puts on this pedestal the Okada-Omega matches. I remember bits and pieces. But what do you really remember from those matches? Honestly, they were just... Your typical Kenny Omega matches. You had a thousand V triggers, uh, a lot of piss poor uh, facials, overly done facials, and it's like <laughs> phrasing. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, yeah, storytelling, but that was it. 
but but again, it's just it just too much, too quick, too too quack, too quick. Like yes, Japanese style wrestling is allegedly like that, but I think they're getting more into the Western style as far as like storytelling. Uh, that's just my take on it. If I'm wrong, do correct me. So, I look at the I look at the Kenny Omega Okada matches. I remember what Okada does because Okada does the storytelling. He does the spots where he does the selling. But again, those matches were great worked. But what stands out, like, like you think of Undertaker's like, oh, you do these flip, 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 flip. So they're like, you're trying to tell a story. And you're trying to you want to remember moments. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know the match was great, but what in the match stood out and said that was great? Other than their match where they went Broadway, I can't remember anything other than that one match that ended in a draw. That's it. I just remember, you know, good worked match, but, like, okay, you kept on kicking out of each other's finishing spot. Okay. You know, it's it's not memorable. It's not like, you know, you're, if I ever had a kid, I'd sit down and tell them about that match. So let me give you an example of the opposite and see, like, if you can think of anything Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks or any of those people have ever done that match this. So let's since we're talking about The Undertaker, let's use Undertaker against CM Punk at WrestleMania. I think a very underrated WrestleMania match. Before they set up the story, Punk arrogant. He, you know, takes the Undertaker's urn. Right after... It was right after the death of uh, Paul Paul Bearer. Yeah, like, it was the night the Undertaker did his tribute to Paul Bearer. All of a sudden, Punk's music hits, and he comes out challenging him for WrestleMania. Then he steals the urn eventually, which is the source of the Undertaker's power. I think on the go-home show before Mania, he poured the supposed ashes of Paul Bearer on a knocked out Undertaker. My goodness. Poor Percy Pringle. So fucking good. <laughs> I thought you were about to hit the Percy Pringle voice. I set you up damn... <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to do like the Undertaker Percy Pringle voice. Yeah. Oh, there yeah. There we go. Wait, Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, so Paul Bear's ashes all over the Taker. Then you get to the match. You keep it going. You just don't all of a sudden have like this nice flippy match or something that has nothing to do with the hatred that's built up. The match starts. The first thing CM Punk does is smack the Undertaker right in his face. And oh my God, did he just slap you the Undertaker? Kn- that's, that's, that was instant heat magnet because Undertaker is the Undertaker. No one disrespects someone like that. And that's kind of like, that's right there off the bat investing. Right off the bat. It's the Undertaker, but period. I don't see wrestlers disrespect each other like that. When they start a match, you lock up, you whatever. You slap them in the face, my goodness. Okay, Boomer. Yep. (laughs) And then then he does like the old school on Taker. And Mm. then the story kept going. So, at a point where the Undertaker's about to do the last ride... Mm. You know, uh, Punk has the urn. He hits the Undertaker in the back of the head, and yes, I'm selling out. I hit myself in the back of the Sell head. Sell it, pull out of the chair. With, <laughs> with the urn, and then he covers up the Taker, does the Taker pose with the, with the uh, tongue punch, out, with and the shit. tongue out, and I think, oh my God, he's gonna pin him. And the crowd started thinking that too, because everyone got on their feet thinking they're gonna see history. No, the Undertaker kicks out. He tells a story, comes back. 
hits Punk with a second tombstone because Punk kicked out of one, but he couldn't kick out of two. And you had a great story. And basically, I just remembered, even though I haven't seen that match in years, the whole match for the most part. You remember spots. You remember spots. You remember the story. Because of storytelling, not because of anything really physical they were doing. Like, I, this, this goes to a different thing we talked about earlier. Like, I remember Dean Malenko putting on great work matches. I don't remember any Dean Malenko matches. You know, like, it, there's, there's things like that. Like, you could work great, but sometimes it's, what, like, what, what do you remember? What's the, the lasting story. thing of this you match? You could do a thousand moves or whatever he's supposed to be, the man of a thousand holds. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> only thing I remember of him was when he came out in a mask as I think he was dressed up as Ciclope or, you know, one of the WCW, like, Mexican wrestlers. And, like, he surprised Jericho, and all of a sudden it was like, you know, he, he revealed it was him that got the pin on Jericho, not like, you know, the Mexican wrestler. That, Why is this guy wrestling so good? Oh, it's it was Dean really, Malenko. It yeah. was really Dean Malenko. So, that was storytelling. So, like, again, the stories need to be huge. And then I'm thinking at this, because one rumor I heard... After seeing the Undertaker video, it surfaced maybe a couple days after that video surfaced. Undertaker slated to wrestle AJ Styles at Mania this year. I don't know how you go about it and what story you tell there and how do you get it. I just know AJ, I trust AJ 150%. Do you, like, when y'all saw that, what was y'all's reaction and how did you take it and what do you think with that? My initial forward? thought was. <coughs> Of course, AJ Styles. Who else could cover up for the Undertaker's, you know, issues given his age and injuries and limitations in the ring now to be able to have a quality match, keep the Undertaker protected, not only by looking, making him look great, but not actually hurting him like damn Goldberg tried to do. So, you know, have him protected in the ring with someone that he doesn't have to carry the match because he probably can't now but still have a good story told. And I think AJ's that guy. He's done it. I mean, he had a great match with that garbage Shane McMahon. I know you all like Shane O'Mac, but I I don't like no damn Shane O'Mac. Don't put that bad juju on us. Uh, Put some respect on our name. Anyway, but... (laughs) But, you know, AJ had a good match with him because it's AJ freaking style. So, yeah, I think that was a great choice. If I was to set it up, what I would do is have Undertaker at a match at ringside something as does Mark Calloway with his wife or kids or whatever just sitting there. And then AJ sees him and he smacks him upside the face or, you know, says something disrespectful. Slaps his, slaps his wife's mouth. Nah. <laughs> nah. Come here, woman. That would be, yeah, no. But, uh, you know, just something to set him off, and then Undertaker has to defend his legacy and himself, and there you go, there's a match. Me, honestly, I see it as straight up, you know, money, 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 and uh, an invested storyline right from the bat. Uh, I, I don't know if AJ would do anything as heelish as what Punk had done if he does do something different which i do not doubt that because aj is that intelligent of a storyteller and a man who's been in the business definitely has 
you know, long as he has, he knows how to work these things. As a knowledge base goes, I know him and Undertaker will sell and tell this story from like the bat, and I'm waiting for that. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm I agree, and I again just like Brian said, AJ is probably, and I know people were like, oh, it's so mega, it's this, like. It's a coin flip right now. Best wrestler in the world, and maybe best wrestler since, I mean, other than Kurt Angle. But AJ Styles and Okada are the best wrestlers in the world right now. Don't care. And AJ, everything he does is gold. You think of matches with Cena, Shane. He makes everyone look good. Because he's that. He's that that amazing. And I trust him. And like you said, he has the knowledge. He's been around the block a while. Um, He's that savvy vet now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Undertaker, who has the old school style. You know, I think it's well. Uh, I'm more curious to know if they can do it right and how they go into it and what story they make of it. Other than the shit they're doing now. Because now we have, what, Goldberg just showing up on a SmackDown demanding a Universal title match against The Fiend? Like, what does that do? Like, like, what's... I, I kind of figured out what the payoff could be, but like, what's, what what's the what's the point? Why why do we get a Goldberg Fiend match out of no like out of thin air? To prove the old guy can still you know hang in there with, with the young studs <laughs> and still do the same old shit he did in WCW. That and then like probably some Saudi prince is like, oh yeah, I remember Goldberg when I was a kid. You know, bring Goldberg back. I want to see him. So you know it's. You know, the the Saudi matches don't kind of fit into the arc of the storytelling otherwise. That's why I wish they wouldn't do so many of them, but they're on the take. They got the money, so the, here we are. So I don't know. It's like, make it like a house show where none of the stuff counts. But since they're advertising it and, you know, weaving it into the overall storytelling, you have to do something to make it make sense. I mean, they could have done it easily. Okay, the fiend keeps on liking to feast on old timers. I remember he killed Jerry the King Lawler. He did some other stuff, you know, with the Odies. So okay, he does have Goldberg come out. Maybe he's you know talking about something random like yeah, some not charity even, thing. Yeah, not even talking about wrestling. wrestling yeah, and then he gets out, blown back. You know, I'm here to talk about breast cancer awareness. WWE, we do such great charity work with whoever, you know coming for the cure and then all of a sudden it goes red and here's the damn fiend and he gives him the mandible claw and chokes goldberg out well there you're okay easy now goldberg's pissed and he comes back and he wants a match with the fiend the end but they didn't even bother to do that it was literally like oh goldberg's on tv oh there's the match here you go and see this stems my next question is the saudi arabia shows like are these crown jewels and greatest are they affecting the long-term booking? Like, yep. are they getting in the way? Like, In a sense. So, there's pros and cons. The pros are, you could end up with the Mania match, which I think is going to happen. You get your Roman Reigns versus Goldberg, which is a bigger money match other than Roman and Fiend. Like, let's be honest. Goldberg is an icon. Roman is the face of WWE now. It makes sense. I get it. I'm behind it. Special guest referee Hulk Hogan, yeah. <laughs> and then like sponsored sponsored by PetSmart. <laughs> Jeez, and then um, but like 
you know, but then you have these mat like you had Braun win the Greatest Royal Rumble and and then Gallows and Anderson win this tag team thing, but there was no big payoff there. You had the guy who won the Greatest Royal Rumble never even appear on fucking NXT, and apparently he's an NXT signee, the Mansoor or whatever. <laughs> yeah, his name is like Mansoor, Monsoor. Like that just sounds bad. Mansoor. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Sounds like he needs to go to a clinic. But like, you know, I just I don't get these Saudi shows. And I understand it's it's the sweet, sweet Saudi dollar. Which apparently half of it hasn't even been paid anyways. But like yeah. They got trapped last time. I wouldn't go back. Hell no, I wouldn't go back. But <laughs> you know, it, it this Goldberg thing really kind of just irks me because it is out of thin air. Like, it is. I understand what you want to get to, like we said, but it, 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 at least have a build. Like you said, just be a reason behind it. Um, and it's like, you want it to feel important. Now, you know, some people feel a little more important than they do others. And you have people who are full of themselves who really aren't that good. What's your take on Becky Lynch? Because I am tired of her. Over... Fucking rated pure shit. Now, see, there's some upside mm. to her. I just don't think she's as great as, like, they're booking her or that maybe she thinks of as herself. I mean, if I was rating current women wrestlers, first I would put Charlotte Flair. Second, I would probably put Bailey because I love her heel work and I still, she's always solid in the ring. I just hated the little huggy, I, like, you know, friendly yeah. thing. Like you said, like I can list at least nine wrestlers better than Becky Lynch as far as the in ring work goes. As far oh, as you know, I forgot Oscar. See, you know, and as far as characters go, there's at least six or seven that are just better characters and stuff. Like I always say that if she wants to say she's the face of the women's, you know, wrestling in WWE. No. Everything runs through Charlotte Flair because Charlotte Flair is the embodiment of a superstar. Like Charlotte, Oscar, Bailey. I would probably even put Sasha Banks. But hell, of like Bianca Belair, who's white hot, is oh doing. A, she's climbing. Yeah, Rhea, Rhea Ripley. Like you look at it, and it's Oof. like there's so much more when they haven't even really gotten <clears throat> the wheels turning than Becky Lynch's. While the wheels are going full speed. If Nia Jax hadn't busted her in her nose, she, she wouldn't have been the character we think she that is. she got. You know, that helped being bloody for real the hard way as a woman standing there after you attacked, was it Raw? Yeah, it yeah. was the Survivor for, Series. For the Survivor Series, you know. That helped make her. She needs to cut a check to Nia. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, it's one of those, it's like... When, uh, it's almost like the Austin Brett thing. Brett told Austin, pass out, don't tap. Just sell the blood. Just pass out. And so it's like, it's kind of one of those things. You better thank her. So, Becky, whatever she does, you're only that over because of that mistake. That botch, that fumble, you could thank her. So you owe her that. Well, you may like this. The latest rumor is that she's going to take a break along with Seth. You know, off TV, you know, maybe they're going to go get married, I don't know. But, Thank God. But, you know, it's a Jim Cornette thing, you know. Oh, yeah, internet marks, I know you're going to hate this, I'm quoting Jim Cornette. But, you know, he's right on this. How can we ever miss you if you'll never go away? You know, you have to sort of fade out. You have to get off TV sometimes. You need to let the body heal. 
and yeah. a mind. You, that, that's important. If not, it's gonna sadly, and I hate to say this, kind of like what Brett had issues with. He would not take a day off to heal, and he eventually just became a kind of he became crabby. So like, it's it's like her going away is good and then there's people who want to switch uh brands or maybe their contract's expiring or maybe their character's stale is change change of scenery good or bad like you know i've seen some more bad than good but then you have your good versus bad so like you know cody left wwe it was good for him you watch damian sandow leave wwe it was bad for him you know, is change of scenery good for some wrestlers? Because I know Matt Hardy's contract's coming up. We They got rid of a bunch of wrestlers. There's talent that's still floating around, not signed. It's what you do with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll give an example of a good change of scenery. Finn Balor. When he left and disappeared from, what was it, Raw? Yeah. And then ended up on NXT. Mm-hmm. That was great for him. And he's reinvigorated. He's a heel. Mm-hmm. He needed to do that too. It was good, you know. So it depends on what you do with it. Just you know, if you're the exact same person just on a different show, like the Miz has always been. The Miz is always the Miz. So okay, he was on SmackDown, then he moved him to Raw. Now he's back on SmackDown, and it's just like whatever. It's still just the Miz, whatever. So you know, it just depends on what you do with it. I honestly feel that it's inevitable and it's appropriate to do. Uh, change of scenery can—it's a make-or-break thing. And going, it's going back to what uh, B said. It depends on what you do with it. Uh, you know, let's take you know our favorite you know grizzled young vet AJ. He's gone from Impact to Japan and now WWE, and he, he's done well with all those transitions. But he's a—he's a one in a lifetime. He's so damn good like see i wouldn't put someone like him on it because he's he was just naturally gifted that dude had it all um he just didn't have a look he had to develop a look but um but the like point. like like the damien sandow white hot in wwe mm-hmm. cool great character made sense awesome then brian and i saw a video of him <laughs> doing something on impact oh, yeah, he like, what, what like, happened he got like hit and then he bounced off the rope for like Three two minutes, minutes <laughs> and then finally fell. And when he fell, you could see him reach out his arm to catch himself in the fall. Oh, yeah. Rather than really going head first, face first. So, then see, when he was left to his own devices, he didn't know how to write a character. Like, he had this weird character, Aaron Rex, and like uh, <clears throat> ROH. That was just odd. And then he just went off the deep end, apparently, with like characters when he doesn't have people to edit. Some people need editing. He was one of them. And, you know, like, I think, you know, it just depends on how you debut. So, for example, Moxley, his initial debut was brilliant. That, you know, I'm just this angry, crazy guy that's been, you know, held up and now I'm going to be unleashed. Then he debuts. Good debut. But then now he's like a crazy pirate with one eye. He's literally just Dean Ambrose again. Yeah, and like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I don't. And, there's no main event. And appeal see, with him. and like, you know, this goes back. I don't want to be bashing AEW, but they need a little work. If it was Cody's writing, we'd be great. But I think this is the Young Bucks and like uh, Omega writing 
Because, like, this new dude that you have coming in. Now, I don't know who he is. I know you're impressed with them. I've never heard of him Oh, before. Jeff Cobb? Yeah. Jeff, Jeff Cobb's, like, a good worker. Like, Where was he? ROA? He was Ring of Honor in Japan and stuff like that. Yeah. Jeff Cobb's just a good worker. I wouldn't say he's, like, a star, but that's someone you... He's a good piece, Okay, you know? so they bring him in, and he attacks Moxley on night one. And night two... He's a mercenary. He has a match against Moxley. Well... Moxley can't lose. He hasn't lost, and he's challenging Jericho. You don't want to bury your new guy that he can't beat Moxley, because then where do you go with him? You, you know, he should have came in as a ball of fire, killing other people lower on the totem pole, and don't have him cross your top guy right off the bat. Sort of like poor Wardlow. I don't think I've seen him wrestle. So is he good? He's well, a big muscle. They're, 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 they're going to do, the I think, the Dave Batista thing with him, where he's just a big, quiet muscle that doesn't really do much, but then eventually he's going to get tired of the shit, turn, and be like this big star. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think that's the end with uh, Wardlow. So I think it's all on how you debut, how you're booked, and, you know, how you carry that. Now, with it being Mania season... <laughs> Uh, people are being released, people are changing scenery, but then some are solidifying their scenery. Uh, so you have rumors going around of the Hall of Fame inductees going in this year. Uh, people are clamoring for Christian now that Edge returned, and I'm okay with that. I liked Christian a lot more than Edge anyways. Always have, always will. I thought his work was better in TNA and everything like that. But um, there was a controversial one, uh, the Bellas. The Bellas were slated to be in, and I think they're deserving. I think the Bellas are deserving of it for the eyes they brought to the masses being on different shows. And so they weren't great workers, but they were great ambassadors. And then, like, their shows, Total Bell and stuff, like, it was good for women. And then for people who've never seen wrestling before, they're like, oh, well, I've seen them on a, on a reality show, so maybe I could tune in. And it brings different eyes into the product. Mm -hmm. What's y'all's take on it? Like, are y'all against four? What do y'all think about the Bellas going in? Uh, I mean, I never really cared for the Bellas. They they were just eye candy. It was it's yeah. like it's like, uh, okay, what now? What do we do? Oh, hey, you change yourself. You stay your same. Do this thing. Voila, and they end up like what you said, being ambassadors, bringing bringing in a different or new audience, and you know, let's just. Use random scenarios here. There could be a, a guy that watches wrestling. He has a girlfriend. I fucking hate it when you watch wrestling. Eh. And then she ends up watching, was it the E Network? Yeah, Total Divas or something. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, I actually, oh, I actually like these girls. And then that gets them involved into wrestling. That gets them involved in the product. So, yay. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a win for the business, a loss for the fans, because the fans are never happy. It's a work. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, it is. I will say I think the Bellas should go into the Hall of Fame <clears throat> simply because of their entrance music. And when they hit that hip swivel when they turned in unison, I would be in the living room. I'd do that too. <laughs> Don't it's, it's, sort of like, it's sort of like how you would always do the, the Dolph, Dolph Ziggler. Ziggler. Yep. So yeah, so just because of that. But yeah, seriously, everything y'all said, it's true. I think they were brilliant at cross-promotion. Just like, you know, the, usually your big face of the company has to be good at cross-promotion. A Cena, a... Uh, you know, Hogan, you know, he sold vitamin, he sold cereal. I mean, you know, before he was a racist, you know, back in the, you know, like, uh, great Hogan, American. what are you doing? You can't spread. Oh, never mind. We're good. <laughs> yeah. You know, in the great American days, you know, he was a hero. And 
it you know the Bellas you know bought in like no one on E would have ever watched professional wrestling because it's a totally different network but having total divas and eventually total bellas they invested in the people so they wanted to see oh let's see their day job and there it is yeah and then the other one uh well deserved i've been saying this since october november because we knew it was the last year well jushin thunder liger is rumored to be put in the hall wrestle kingdom in january uh at the tokyo dome was his last match it was his farewell and he retired and uh, people were sitting there like, well, he never wrestled for WWE. Well, the dude wrestled in WCW. He was in the first ever Nitro match against first Brian Pillman, which, Brian, Brian, what did you say about like that Like, it's one of the best matches. It was like, you were, you know, like, five-star matches, and it was just, like, on a TV show with a rookie in Brian Pillman. That showed the genius of a Juice and Thunder Liger. And he was, you know, he's an icon. He's, uh, he's been around forever. He's one of those instrumental pieces. When you think of pro wrestling, he's one of those guys. He's, uh, he's been the same guy forever. He's the Rey Mysterio of the East. And, you know, icon, consummate professional, great matches. Like when I saw him, and that's the other thing. He, he radiates big deal. I saw him at the G1 and he came out and... It was just a throwaway six-man tag match, but when he came out, you just felt the importance of this guy. He was he he radiates charisma and just it's all it's it was awesome. He's the he's the gun of ghosts. He's he's amazing, and I I would be nothing more than happier if he went in. It's a no-brainer into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's one of the best <clears throat> iconic wrestlers of all time. Uh, with that being said, the last ten minutes. I want people to get to know us a little more as we go on and where we come about. So our personal top 10. doesn't have to be worth anything to do. Your top 10 favorite wrestlers of all time, no matter what. Brian, kick it off. Okay. Number one, Rick the Nature Boy Flair. I mean, yeah, He's an icon. I remembered him back in the territory days. You know, the old thing, you know, how can we miss you if, we never, if you never go away? He would just show up. Occasionally, because yeah. he was basically touring all the territory, so he shows up in Texas to take on like uh, Carrie Von Eric, and you knew something important was about to happen. That music hit, and you see the world champion is on your television because uh, you don't usually see him. Something special is about to happen. That was Ric Flair. He was the master of it. Bret the Hitman Hart is number two. Uh, I think he was the person that made wrestling serious in the WWF at the time. Because I was I was a WCW fan, and because they actually wrestled, where Vince McMahon had all the cartoon characters. Well, then, unfortunately, WCW decided to copy them, and they ruined themselves. But Bret Hart was a wrestler, so I could get behind him. And it wasn't, you know, even when he wrestled, like, the pirate or... The guy that was like the tugboat, the repo man, <laughs> took his glasses and repossessed his sunglasses, and that was a thing. Jeez. It was great to see an actual wrestler do it in the ring. Hollywood Hulk Hogan would be three. I hated Hulk Hogan when he was the face in the yellow and hurt all my Bobby Heenan people I loved, but when he was a heel with the NWO, awesome. Macho Man Randy Savage. Ooh, yeah, especially when he was with Miss Elizabeth and he was that unhinged, crazy savage that did, like, the interviews and with Mean Gene that, okay, he was on crack if there was such a thing as crack back then. 
<laughs> that Randy Savage, brilliant, one of the best. The cream the, rises to the top. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, number five, Jake the Snake, just diabolical in his heel days. You know, when he, like, pushed down Miss Elizabeth, people jumped the railings to get him because they were so pissed off. And then he had Savage tied in the ropes and had the snake sink his teeth into Savage's arm. One of the best, like, remembered moments of that era of wrestling for, like, the shock value. Like, NBC even blanked it out because, like, in replays, because it was like, oh, we can't have a snake biting someone. Uh, Midnight Express is number six for one of the best tag teams with Jim Cornette. Great heel work. Always, even when they lost, they would put over the baby faces as being this brilliant, strong team. Yet they still had their own wrestling moves and were able to cheat. It was great. NWO as a faction, number seven, tied with the four horsemen uh, with the Barry Windham version of the horsemen. Great factions. You could believe it. You really thought they controlled everything. And the NWO before they got like 20 people in it. Um, <laughs> number eight, uh, Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. Just the way they introduced him. He's perfect. He was hitting basketball shots. He was, you know, hitting an ace on a tennis court. He, you know, sank a hole in one. Okay, he can do everything. So clearly he can wrestle. And then he had a, you know, win streak until he faced fucking Hulk Hogan. And he kicked out of the perfect plex. But whatever. Mr. Perfect, one of the greats. Rest in peace. Uh, Ravishing Rick Rude, another, you know, one of the greats. Just one of the best heels ever. Everyone hated him. They... He gyrated his body. He put damn Jake the Snake's real life wife on his ass. <laughs> you like that? And you like that, you fat, disgusting slob? Yeah, he was perfect. He was great. And then, uh, then last, it's a tie between two people that never really had a lot of great in-ring accomplishments. But Adrian Adonis, because he was the first representation, even though it was really stereotypical, of what you would consider a gay person and me being a gay guy. I appreciate that when I was a little kid, so I would always bring out a flower pot and root for him because I was like, yay, he runs the flower shop. And I'm sure my parents were like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> Told you, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kamala, because there weren't many representations of black characters back then, even though he was stereotypical, it was great to see. Well, that's always nice. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, for me, it's a huge mix of international performers. Heart Foundation, early and late uh, incarnations of them. Uh, Chris Benoit, great technician, great in the ring. Um, the, the smartest man in wrestling, Lance Storm, from like his time at the Heart Dungeons in New, J in the, uh, New Japan. Was it uh, uh, Dojo? That too, but there was a uh, the 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 J Cup, the World J Cup. Um, a guy that you turned me on to, Stephen Phrasing, uh, Cesaro, great worker, work horse, like literally. Look up the dictionary, you see him. Dudley Boys, great tag team and ECW WWE. They knew what to do. They had it all. Uh, another great stable that I like, uh, Imperium. Just every individual is solid in their own way. AJ Styles, I call him a grizzled young vet because that's what he is at this point. A great guy, another workhorse, uh, but in the ring, bulldog mentality. The guy's set. Uh, Alistair Black, um, another great international uh, Euro, Euro wrestler. He looked up to Jushin Thunder Liger, so, and, and I love that. 
Raven, great uh, work on the stick. The guy in, you know, just wonderful. I, I love the guy. And the last but not least, Dust Bowl Dukin to Alex Wright. <laughs> I was actually surprised I didn't get a Jericho on there from you. Uh, mine, real simple. Number one, The Rock. It's a Kane's thing. You wouldn't understand. Number two, the reason I love pro wrestling, Bret Hart. Everything about him was awesome. Uh, he was a larger-than-life star. Number three, it was kind of me transcending with my age and watching him develop was Jeff Hardy, beat to his own drum. Uh, the guy who placed, replaced The Rock when The Rock retired or well, walked away was Randy Orton. I saw him miss a drop kick vertically over Bob Hawley, and I fell in love with him there. And then Randy Orton became Randy Orton. Uh, number five, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, I saw him at the G1. And it was like, he's like the undertaker of Japan. You feel the energy as soon as he comes out. It's amazing. He has great matches too. Uh, the coolest guy in wrestling is number six. That's Rob Van Dam. I love everything he does, although he's probably the catalyst of why we hate flippy wrestling. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, number seven is like my favorite guy. I don't know why. His style it's just awesome, and we got to meet him. He's a cool, he's a cool cat. But Dolph Ziggler is my number seven. Number eight is a female who, by far, my favorite woman wrestler of all time. That she really was something special and something different when you never saw something like this in women's wrestling. Uh, but Asuka, she was protected for two, three years. I I love her and everything she does. Uh, number nine, just like JP, I have Raven, uh, very Shakespearean and Edgar Allan Poe-ish promos. He had a great style. He looked cool with his leather jacket. And number 10 is a tie. Takamichi Noku was a small Japanese wrestler that WWE signed, but he had great matches. And he was kind of like AJ Styles where he was in a ring when he wasn't a comedy gimmick. And he made everyone look really, really good. Uh, and then Tide is a friend of mine. And we've been watching him down here. He's a local guy. He's doing awesome. Uh, but Keith Lee, proud of him. He's a fellow Pokemon trainer, too. Uh, I can't wait to see what he does when he gets to the top because he's getting there pretty quick. Um, but that's that's my top ten. And, guys, uh, I'm looking forward to doing the show uh, twice a month. We'll probably do it. We'll get our you know predictions, our draft and everything. We'll have all the boys. We'll have the Mikeys, the Tophers, and stuff on it. But this wrestling show is probably going to be us three going forward. Um but you'll catch us twice a, uh, twice a month, and you can follow us on all platforms of social media at 1334show. Brian is on there obtaining a large amount of heel heat on Twitter uh, at whatever his thing is. Just follow the show. the Brian the Brain CX. And then JP's on the ice hockey rink. I am ending the show before we fucking crash the audio again. He Good. bids you adieu. Dig it! <laughs>